The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue in my mind. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Count Book Chronicles. <laughs> I am your host, Tim Deal Double G. <laughs> and I'm joined by the man behind the sound effects at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter. Oh, glad to have the sound effects back. And we also have at PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Hi. Oh, I get no cheers. Oh, oh there it goes. Okay. <laughs> It feels weird that we don't we don't have our intro video. We got to do some sort of like. <laughs> Would you believe it's Doctor Doom? That's right. <laughs> and then pretend I've, that's the intro. Got a lot, you know what? We've gotten a lot. Uh, uh, at least I've heard. I've gotten a lot of uh, compliments uh, from people who uh, who watch the video and um, you know listen to the podcast about our intro music and I told them that we had someone produce that especially for us. I like that a lot. Actually, I had that on my phone for a while, just as a you know like notification tone. <laughs> So yes, we enjoy all the feedback on the sound effects and our <laughs> intros. Yeah, don't talk about the show. Don't talk about anything about us. But you know, <laughs> music, sound effects. Let us know. Of course. And make sure to go to our website, theclipnation.com. You can find previous episodes of the Comic Book Chronicles and Comic Book News. <laughs> on the homepage are links to our social media accounts. We're on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Google Plus. <laughs> Make sure to subscribe to the podcast by going to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Stitcher, YouTube, Google, was it Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. And we are also a part of the Code Slither Podcast Network. Go to CSPN.us, do it today. And while you're on the CSPN, make sure to buy some Comic Book Chronicles merchandise by going to shop.cspn.us. Remember, we record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're ever talking comics on social media, use the hashtags Comic Chronicles or CBCron to join in the conversation. First book up for review this week is Marvel 2-in-1 number 5. As Ben and Johnny go on their quest to find their missing family and teammates in the Fantastic Four. Right, and... Uh... As we saw in the last issue, they have uh, located uh, a, a set of uh, Reed and Sue who are in a universe where things uh, vary uh, very differently from what they what we know in the 616, or at least the Marvel Prime universe, where the central events of, uh, 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 of the coming of Galactus change drastically in this, in, in this particular uh, timeline. Also, the Reed and Sue in this timeline remind me a lot of 
the uh, Ultimate FF in the early days, um, and especially uh, when you see Reed in this universe with his beard. Mm. Uh, when he's sometimes in the Ultimate Universe, when he gets stuck on, uh, like he found the portal to the Marvel Zombies universe, and you know that kind of stuff, you'd see him get lost in uh, his own little universes. But even better than all of that, we got Herbie making an appearance <laughs> in this issue. And, I mean, that for me is just worth the price of admission. We definitely did see Herbie. So the well, refresh my memory: Did Greg Land launch that Ultimate FF book? Yes. Uh huh. I can just like I can I can see the images now like flowing in my head the sort of statuesque images good times but thankfully we have good art here with Valerio Shitty <laughs> who I I hope so it was announced that he'll be going to Tony Stark Iron Man with upcoming Fantastic Four writer Dan Slott I'm hoping that Frank Martin joins him on coloring because. His, I feel like the color work that Frank Martin uh, provides for Valerio's uh, lines in two and one look gorgeous. So I'm hoping that continues over on the Iron Man book. Yeah, it definitely provides, you know, and 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 more and more, especially with the with the uh, the the evolution of uh, I'm, what I'm presuming are computer coloring. Um, you know, the depth that uh, some of these colorists give the art is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And I also got flashbacks seeing Sue as a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. to uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers during the time's run out, time jump, where it was built that uh, Sue had actually joined S.H.I.E.L.D. That's right. That's right. I knew I bumped on that. Yeah. When I saw that. So Doom had stolen, actually Doom was able to defeat Galactus, not Reed Richards, went out into the universe Initially, had promised he would never come to devour Earth, but since he's already eaten everything else in the universe, his hunger lingers, so now he has come back to feast, and Ben has to sort of smack Reed around to get him to behave like the Reed from our universe. Get back in the game, man. Seriously. And that, um, I forget her name, was it Rachel? The the woman that scientist lady that followed him? Ben and Johnny, um, she, I guess, went to go visit uh, someone else familiar to her, though we were not shown who that is. Rachna. Rachna. Yeah. Is that her first name? Yeah. Okay, Rachna. See, I almost wondered, I, I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be her in that universe or like maybe her sister or something that I couldn't tell because they're in a hospital bed with all the stuff on them. And it's hard to tell. Are they trying to draw it to look kind of similar or is that just... You know, you've got so much other stuff going on. They just—that's kind of their go-to face. It's hard to tell. I think no. I, what's funny about that is it's hard to tell who that is in the hospital bed. Uh, it does look female. It may, uh, in fact, be this Rockna character that we've been introduced to, and this is her opposite in this universe. Um, that may become, you know, more apparent in the next issue because I think it's just—it's teased as to who that actually is. Yeah, it also might have been a, look because look, it did kind of look like a woman, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's definitely female. It's implied, strongly implied that it's female. So I can always spot a lady. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. There's a couple of really epic uh, battle scenes in this with the coming of uh, Doom Galactus, um, where his heralds that are a mix of uh, Doombot and Silver Surfers are uh, you know kind of attacking and like all the uh, the superheroes have become agents of Shield and they've got kind of variations of their costumes. Some of those designs are pretty cool. 
and the uh, the battle is uh, is pretty epic, and it's really the, uh, the 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 confrontation between, I guess, one of the Doombots and uh, and Reed that kind of snaps, you know, that, that kind of gets the uh, uh, the gears turning in uh, this universe's Reed's brain again to try to figure out how to defeat Doom. And guess what? We there is a Doom. There's another Doom that is part of the story, and that who I'm referring to is the uh, the uh, w- w- what is he now? The Superior Iron Man. I forget. Uh, yeah, now, now that you ask, like, I just forget. Immortal Iron Man? I, I was like, like, oh my god, what do they call him? Like, they just ended that book. What was it? Yeah. Immort- uh, no, not Immortal. Uh, to my Iron Man? Yeah. Yeah, the Doctor Doom Iron Man book. What was oh, that? Oh, um, Infamous. 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 Uh, I, I, I default to Superior because, you know, that's what we joke about with all the bad <laughs> guys turning good. So, yeah. The Infamous? The yeah. Infamous? <laughs> the Infamous Iron Man. Iron Man is, uh, has tagged along with uh, Ben and Johnny, and uh, you know it, it's it's a it's a team up you you hardly ever see, although it's not uh, the first time uh, between uh, the infamous Iron Man slash Doom and uh, this universe's Reed Richards to try to uh, stop the end of this world. Well, and there's also a great panel of Ben confronting Reed about his inaction and his unwillingness to tackle you know the real threat head on, um, and that was like one of those things that the panel of of uh, thing just clobbering uh reed and, and you get the smash on the glass but of course the glass is the panel uh you know the way it's drawn it's, it's one of those things that i just sat there and stared at it for a minute because i was like that is just such an incredibly well done piece of artwork there oh yeah and then silver surfer and emma frost are a couple well they're both shiny right <laughs> i i figured that would be the uh, the the, uh, the thing they had in common so yeah, that was like out of nowhere well, he gives Zdarsky credit for coming up with the creative uh, combination there. So uh, in my notes, I put that Zdarsky is turning me into a Fantastic Four fan. Never thought I'd say that. You were never a fan before? I, I wouldn't say I was a, like, a hater. I just never, I didn't give them much thought at all. They were all off doing their own thing. I was into the X-Men, Spider-Man at the time. Still the case, but now I read you know, more of the larger Marvel Universe. But even like back when they did have a book, I was still wasn't really, and we had the podcast. Mm-hmm. I used to say, you know, Agent Seventy was the big Fantastic Four fan. Right. I mean, still. when we started, I was gonna say when we started, Hickman was on the FF, and you know, he was telling lots of big stories, and I think that started to kind of, despite the fact that the the, the book itself ended not long after, it, it did start, you know, some of the, uh, the 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 wheels in motion, you know, for this book, kind of becoming something more than what it had been for a long time. They had been off in their own corner for a long time, it's just you know, telling some good stories, but nothing that really, uh, you know, shook the earth. The, the what comes to mind really is the uh, the Mark Wade and uh, Mike Weiringo uh, stories that were really, um, you know, some of the, the the best parts of the FF uh, history, you know, in the recent uh, in recent history. And other than that, there really wasn't all that much to talk about. Until you know Hickman came along and kind of wove them into uh, Secret Wars, and just before that, really made um, you know the death of Johnny Storm like a big thing, even though it wasn't permanent. And, uh, you know, going from there. All right, I think that about wraps up two and one. Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, I think the only thing I, I wrote is that. Uh, hold on, it's a precursor because we know that uh, you know now that we've kind of spoiled the fact that the FF are going to be reunited. This is a nice precursor to the eventual reunion because of you know the the fact that they are reunited with a you know 
a form or versions of Reed and Sue in this. And it's kind of cool to see, you know, I guess we may be seeing this particular storyline play out a couple of times before they're reunited with uh, uh, our Reed and Sue. Well, and now um, what, what really interests me more than anything else really is that we know a Fantastic Four book is coming in a few months. Right. So this story has got to get somewhere where Ben and Johnny are going to be back with Reed and Sue. Right. So they're going to find them somewhere at this. I'm just wondering, is Marvel 2 and 1 going to be over at that point, or are they going to be running two books side by side? Or is it going to go... You well, know, they, like they announced that this is going to continue. Well, yeah, but I mean, is it going to continue as a Spider-Man yeah. team up or, you know, or just they random... Into, I think it should be a Doom, some whoever book. Well, I was going to say 2 and 1 is traditionally a thing team up book, right? Tradition has nothing to do with the new Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> that being said, you know, like... Uh, uh, they may continue doing it not with uh, with just a thing, but maybe it'll be uh, uh, Ben and Johnny, and then like you know whoever else comes along. That might be interesting. Maybe. Uh, thank you, um, at Matt Wang ninety seven for rubbing in the fact that he's in Miami right now. In Miami. Oh, I want to thank Matt Wang for sharing a picture of the two of you guys from high school on Twitter the other day. That was. <laughs> That was something special. I wish I should have downloaded it so I could pop it up on the screen here oh, right now. But, uh... No, that's too funny. I, I, I was trying. We were, we were we were both kind of trying to figure out where that had been taken because we got that from a mutual friend. I'm trying to figure out what year that was exactly. That's hysterical. Uh, anyway, moving right along. Hey, President Bartlett. What's next? Uh, since we were talking about it before the show, what about Spider Man number two thirty nine? Sure. So. This ties slightly to Bendis's uh, final run on Invincible Iron Man, in that we find out who the Sinister Six's benefactor is, also the person that hired the Iron Spider, aka Miles Morales' uncle Aaron, to steal the Shield helicarrier, and it's none other than speaking of Doctor Doom, uh, the new ruler of Latveria, Lucia von. Barda, I think her name right. is, who also uh, fought Ironheart uh, sort of early, not early, but not too long ago in Invincible Iron Man before the search for Tony Stark. So that was kind of cool. And Miles also realizes he needs help, so he brings in his champion's teammates to make it a fair fight against the Sinister Sits. And Miles is also uh, a Batman fan, apparently. I only read this issue. I was going to kind of put it off because I hadn't read the issue before. But thanks to PCN underscore Dirt, um, uh, sending sending us all uh, a panel uh, teasing what happened in this issue. I had to go back and read two issues to catch up. So thanks, Dirt. But I appreciate it because this was a good read. One thing that really sticks out to me, though, in this book as I'm reading through it is uh, you know, the, the art has changed in the last year. Um I forget who it was that was on the book before, but it was always so beautiful. Marquez. Marquez, yeah. Uh, and it was always so beautiful. And the person they have on it now, I don't remember. Actually, I think I have it sitting over here, don't I? Uh, about, uh, uh, Oscar Balazuda. Bezel. 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 Um, <laughs> he, like, it, it's close, but it's not quite the same level of detail. Correct. Like, it's just, it, it, if you're not paying attention, like if he were to come in and, and do a one panel on a Marquez page, you might not notice. But doing the whole book, it's like things are just not quite 
you know, to that 10 out of 10 level of art. It's like a eight out of 10, seven and a half on some pages, maybe. And so it's like, it just kind of bothers me a little bit because it's so close enough that it's a little bit different. It's almost like the uncanny Valley uh, with CGI, you know, human characters. It's like, these are not quite right. And it's not a different enough style. That it just like, it just stands out as being different and kind of weird. It just, I don't know. It's just one of the more awkward things uh about reading through it i still like the story yeah sure um you know i agree with you on that uh but the the art is just not quite to that same level what's funny is that in this issue i want who's the colorist i already scrolled all the way down um but the colorist in this issue provides the depth that we're all used to brian reber yeah color artist and and uh yeah reber provides uh basil Dua's art with depth but um I think the depth would be lacking if it was just black and white, you know, like just like straight up inked pages. Mm-hmm. It would not look like it was that it had any depth or had any um, uh, kind of 3d uh, depth, you know, just any kind of uh, uh, effect of uh, kind of a finished product. It would look very uh, 2d and flat. Well, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of Marvel books nowadays, the colorist adds so much, their mm-hmm. coloring process is completely different than I think just about anyone else. Um, and it's it adds such another level to a lot of the art. And in some ways, I think there are some artists that back off a little bit from doing a lot of backgrounds uh, and some of that detail because they know the colorist is going to come in and fill it in. Um, I remember someone was showing some panels of uh, Ethan Van Skyver, some books he had done. And people are in a library and there's rows and rows of books. Mm-hmm. And you look at the bookshelves and he's drawn every single book on the bookshelves. Like he literally drew like a thousand you know, edges of books mm. on these bookshelves because, you know, he said, I don't know any shortcuts. Like, I don't know a way to cheat. Like, if you have to draw a thousand bricks on the side of the building, I just draw a thousand bricks. Um, but there's so many artists nowadays that I think when it comes to doing backgrounds or some type of texture like that, you know, something's going to be brick or or there's going to be a forest in the background, they just kind of, they'll do like an outline and they know the colorist is going to come in and add a lot of that detail and a lot of that stuff in the background. And in some cases it works out really well. In some cases though, it looks like you've got someone with a stamper, you know, just coming in and adding the texture and stuff uh, to the background, especially city scenes where you can tell that the way the panels are, there's no backgrounds in any of the panels. So like the one at the very top will be left open to kind of give it that dramatic look. But then you can see in all the others that it's just kind of like stamped in the background on all of them. So I don't know. It's like, with the right artist, with the right colorist and the right you know team working together, it really pops and it looks really good. In other places, it just really looks like a crutch for someone who's got a deadline. Right. I was, I was about to say to your point, or at least maybe to, to add to that, I was actually referring more to some of the, uh, the facial, you know, some, some of the mm. and some of the figures where it might have used just a little bit of cross hatching or a little bit of extra line work. And you would have, you know, a much more uh, finely detailed uh, uh, piece of uh, work that the colorist would be, you know, embellishing and adding to, as opposed to kind of really being the only person creating any sort of depth to the figure, figure right. picture. So, but anyway, uh, all our nitpicking aside on the art, the story is, <laughs> and uh, these are nitpicks. Like I'm not, I'm, in no way am I saying this art looks terrible. Like you're not going to pick it up and be like, ah, this looks like garbage and throw it aside or anything like that. Like it is, it's still, you know, professionally done, but like I said, it's just close enough to Marquez, but not quite to that level that it just really stands out as being, different um but ned you got to mention in this issue uh, again as well yeah seriously ned or gonky you know like he even says you know some people have trouble pronouncing it so <laughs> out to gonky slash ned uh, let's see 
What do we want oh, up to next? By the way, before we finish up on Spider-Man, how many more issues are left in that? One. So 240 is the last issue? Yes. Okay. And then what? We wait to hear <laughs> what Marvel's plans are. Huh. Yeah. Did you read 238, Dirt? Yeah, I, I've been reading this all along. Right, so you know that there's a tease that uh, Miles is, you know, maybe might end up working for a super secret spy organization that uh, a, a, a particular one-eyed hero is maybe in charge of. It may not be the one-eyed hero we're thinking of. Though. Well, and they've also been pushing a lot for the past maybe six issues or so that, you know, maybe you shouldn't be Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man was somebody else and he died, but now he's back and, you know, you maybe you should be your own character or whatever. I just hope he does not steal his uncle's outfit and become the new iron spider mm. i did write an article about just kind of going a dart at the wall but because uh, since cable is the one that confronted uh miles dad about miles's future potential future in the world of espionage like some type of x-force new x-force t- spy team with miles as a part of it never know Shield is gone, so he can't join Shield. But is Shield really gone? <laughs> is it ever really gone? Right. Well, the TV show probably won't be renewed, and oh, yeah. But isn't Shield going to be like Hydra? You know, where there's always a cell somewhere that's always they're still working. They didn't get the memo. They're still fighting the good fight, and you know, they're probably they'll, a decommissioned... they'll save somebody's life, and then they get their funding back, and you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's generally how that works. All right. Um, all right. So, you want? Is there anything else we all read in common before we start moving around? Uh, I see. Me and you read a lot of the same books. I wanted to hear uh, some of Doug's DC. Yes, please. Or at least one or two that he feels like throwing out right now. Uh, what about Batman? Oh, okay, fine. Let's talk Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I have an issue with Batman. I thought it was okay, but it was. But as we were saying earlier, you know, just. You know, my notes pretty much tell the story of this issue, which is, you know, Catwoman shops for her wedding dress in her own inimitable way. Uh, but in my eyes, it really should have been a backup story, not a lead story in the book. It, I mean, of all the criticisms I've had for the last year are the same, where, you know, it took me two minutes to read through the book. Um, there was a lot of stuff in there that you could do in one panel, and he does in two pages. Um, there's a lot of flashback stuff to a bunch of different costumes through time. So people go, Oh, look, they're, they're using that. That's back in Canon. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of cool and interesting, whatever, but at the same time, I still get to the end of it and I'm like, what happened? Like, who cares? Like what, Smiling. you know, and it's like, she, and, and this is the thing that, that, that just destroys me. She's, she and Bruce are sleeping in a bed. She gets up. She puts on her suit, she jumps out the window, goes on this adventure, comes home, sees Alfred, gives him a little wink, crawls back into bed, and Batman didn't wake up. At no point did he go, oh, holy crap, Catwoman's gone. I better, maybe she got kidnapped. I better go track her down. Somehow, this master detective who spent his entire life seeing the smallest details and things, and you know, someone is breaking into the Batcave and he can hear it on the third floor of Wayne Manor, she gets up and is out of bed for like four hours, and at so, no point does he like roll over and realize she's gone or anything like that. It's just, you know, he was the only bear in the bed and never said, "I'm lonely." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's oh, so much about the storyline that I I just don't like from a character standpoint. Um, and and 
I, I tweeted out something today about how I know eventually it's all going to be rebooted. You know, at some point it always DC universe always resets every so often and things get swept away and whatever. And I'm, I'm actually now kind of looking forward to it. Like I'm now waiting for the next universal reset because I'm, I'm kind of tired of this character. Like I'm, I'm done with the wedding. I'm done with the Catwoman thing. I'm, I'm ready to go back to the samurai warrior fighting that lonely fight uh, on the edge of sanity. I'm not ready for the guy who's, you know, coming home from a hard day's work and, you know, waiting for dinner to be on the table. And, you know, I, of course, it's never going to work out that way. But just the no, way that he was always like that because Alfred was the one putting dinner on the table. <laughs> but he never wanted it. <laughs> it was like, I'll just eat an apple. I'm good. I'm going back out there. But uh, but no, there's just something about it that just uh, it doesn't. I, you know, I, I've said it before. Tom King just doesn't understand the character of Batman. He doesn't understand the oath of you know, uh, giving everything you have to this lifetime of, uh, you know, battle the same way, like a monk or like I said earlier, a samurai warrior, or one of these people would, you get rid of everything on that social level because everything's about the mission and and you just give a hundred percent to it. And he's saying, we're going to get rid of that. And now we're making it as this guy who's trying to struggle being the superhero and, having this normal life and it's just like uh i would argue that it's unfortunately a logical extension of where the bat books have been going because of the family extensions well yeah but that's because there was always a family looking for a matriarch i was never a big fan of uh well no that was still him right no that was snyder i was never a big fan of snyder's stuff Mm -hmm. uh, 100 percent either the way he was doing the whole the death of the family and uh yeah. Those storylines, I was never real keen on those yeah, either. That existed long before even Snyder. I think Snyder, you know. I would, well, yeah, okay, you can go back to the 1960s and be like, "There's Batman smiling." No, I would you know, say playing that. a game of baseball with Batboy Junior, or whatever his name was. No, I would say that it started with Morrison. You know, he's the one that really started the whole Bat Family thing. Um, and 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 when they brought back uh, what's called it? What's his face? Um, Jason Todd. Yeah, well, and and honestly, during that time period, I wasn't buying a lot of comics. Yeah, uh, you know, I had little kids at that point. You can't afford comics when you got little kids, so um, I didn't buy a lot of stuff during that time period. So I've just kind of caught up in, in bits and pieces of it here and there. But you know, I I've, I kind of have this like we bought the house was a uh, in the early two thousands until the kids were old enough and you know our our lives had moved on enough I could afford comics again. Sure, sure, sure. Know? Yeah, so it's like a blind spot in your in your like uh, history of the character, and I think, you know, this is just my this, this is my observation is that they they're making him uh, a family man because of this bad family, and he was always look, they were looking for the mother figure, the matriarch. So they you know they're, they're sticking uh, Catwoman, in, and while I agree, it's probably a logical conclusion. I, I tend to be in your camp, which is hey, you know, this isn't Batman. This isn't, you know, like the never ending fight against crime because it's always gonna be somebody new and crazy and, and the Joker's always gonna find a way to get out of Arkham because yeah. Batman will kill him. So that's just kind of like the, the the way the story goes. You know, he was always the uh, the billionaire playboy like Tony Stark, you know? Well and you know and you know things always change. Right. Writers always bring in different stuff. Uh, you know, Batman has had different voices over the years. So, you know, you can't get too bogged down in what is Batman and what isn't Batman. But it's just one of those things where where it's at right now, I'm just not a big fan. Gotcha. All righty. I will say I, li- I do like that King has taken Batman in a different direction than what Snyder's done. Just because you need, which, if, you know, after a long run, like Snyder has had, you definitely need something at least a little different where it just feels like you're doing the same territory over and over again. 
Well, and and I liked the the Gotham and Gotham Girl stuff that was in the early arc. I thought that was really interesting about this idea of a possible replacement, so he could end his you know war to wind things down and retire because you've got basically a Superman of Gotham City uh, that could take his place. And you know that was kind of an interesting way of dealing with it. But now it feels like we've gotten so far beyond that, where it's now it's like, oh well, you know, I'm just going to have Nightwing take over things because I'm getting married and having kids now. You know, and it's just like, eh. Not what I want. Yeah, it's been teasing up to this moment, especially after he met his dad in the flight. Was it the the button crossover with the flash? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There it is. All right. It is what it is. Time to move on. All right. So we covered Batman. So you got some more DC stuff there. You want to trade? You know, I um, I'll save Superman for for rapid fire later on because i don't have a whole lot to say about that but curse of brimstone number one came out this week and this is another of that new universe of dc heroes um and uh it's from justin jordan who's a who's a writer i really liked he's done stuff uh um god what was that one now i can't remember john flood i think is what it was called it was kind of like a sherlock holmes type character uh modern day united states uh that i really liked he did one called deep state which was basically the opposite of the x-files this is the government team that comes in and covers everything up wipes people's memories. Um, so that was a lot of fun. So I've liked a lot of this stuff. This book, basically, um, the the whole story is it's a small town um, in the middle of nowhere. Everything's kind of crumbling. Everybody's moved off. It's really getting isolated and desolate, and uh, there's just not a lot of left to it. Kind of that, you know, rust belt of America. You know, the coal mines, you know, closed up. The factories moved away. So there's not a lot of hope and not a lot of, uh, you know, positive outlook there. And, uh, there's some stranger that comes to make this kid an offer um, who's, you know, he, he'll fix everything. He'll give you everything you desire. He'll make every wish come true. Um, and of course he agrees to it and it looks like the whole world catches on fire. Hmm. So I'm guessing this is going to kind of be like the way we've seen some of the other characters of the new age of DC heroes play off of other characters like damage really feels like the Hulk. You know, uh, Silencer in many ways feels like the Punisher with a lot of stuff. Um, this, I'm guessing, is going to be their version of Ghost Rider. Um, it, there's there's fire, there's possibly Hellfire, the devil. Brimstone, of course. Right. right. Um, but one thing that really blew me away is the artwork. Um, and this is Philip Tan. I think it's Philip Tan uh, doing the artwork and co-writing this. Um, the artwork just has this really good gritty feel to it. Um, it just has that really nice, um, like, like over inking style. Um, but it's the over inking in the way that really adds texture and depth in the way that the artwork is plus the coloring on top of it. So Mm -hmm. the coloring almost comes across as, you know, like oil painting, adding the extra color and depth and light, you know, to it, but the artwork itself in black and white looks like it's also just fantastic right there on its own. So this is a book that looks gorgeous. Um, uh, you know, there are a lot of times that, you know, I was just staring at the artwork and just looking at how pretty it was. Mm. Uh, but the story has enough of an intrigue. The first issue for it being a number one really takes a while, uh, to get where it's going. Um, it does a good job of really playing out the environment that they're in, what life is like there, what the people are like. Um, you know, you, you really get the feel of that area, but it really doesn't get the story going until right towards the end, which I think may be the one downfall. Um, cause you kind of get this glimpse of what's happening and then the story's over. Um, I kind of wish there was a little more of a hook, um, there, you know, just a little more detail to, to grab people and pull them into issue two. Uh, but it was good. 
Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I've enjoyed, I thought I was going to hate all of these <laughs> new books um, for, from the DC universe, but uh, I, I really, I've been really digging these and this one's good too. So I recommend it to anybody who wants to try something new, um, you know, give a new character a shot. All of these books have been great. The terrifics have been really good. Damage has been good. Sideways has been good. Silencer has been good. So um you know, I'm just adding this to the list. It looks really good. Now, who knows how long it'll last? Uh, if they switch writers or artists, if you know how much of a difference that'll make down the line. Uh, but for right now, every one of these books seems really well done. Nice. Glad I'm. I'm thankful for the recommendation. I'm flipping through it now. Our our preview copy. So, um, I think I'm going to give this a read over the weekend. Um, I think that's it for DC. Let's see, do I have one more? I want to get to. You want to talk amazing? Yeah, we can do that. So we get the final fight between Green Goblin and Spider-Man and the first fight between Spider-Man and Red Goblin. So basically, the Green Goblin breaks into the Daily Bugle, demands Spider-Man meet him. Peter goes to get Spider-Man, who, of course, he returns in his Spider-Man gear. They fight um, the tritium that the Hobgoblin stole a couple issues ago, blows up, um, and then the the wreckage of the explosion, which is blow, basically blows up the Daily Bugle, right. at least the top floor of it. Assuming they ran out the top floor of that building, or if they just owned the whole entire building. Uh, it looks like Green Goblin's injured and is about to die, but that's not blood coming out of him. That's Red Symbiote. Yep, that was a big, you know, that was a nice twist on kind of the reveal of the fu- you know, the final form of the uh, what I'm calling, what did I call him, Carna Goblin. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, that's the best I could come up with. So uh, there's a couple things that are teased in this issue. One, you know, and, and we kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a slow play by slot, where uh, uh, Peter Parker is like, well, you know, nothing's gonna be, you know, nothing's gonna gonna happen. I don't sense any danger. And then the Green Goblin comes bursting through, whereas normally he would sense that, but because of uh, Carna Goblin uh, becoming uh, a reality, there's a reason why the Green Goblin at this point hadn't or was not setting off his spider sense because it was a symbiote. So you know, there's like a lot of like little things that you know that that, that kind of come together in this issue as we are, you know, kind of uh, coming towards uh, Slot's uh, end of his run on uh, Spidey and this last kind of um, battle between uh, uh, Norman and Peter Parker. What I liked about this and um, fans of uh, the uncanny X-Men will, uh, will understand what I'm referring to. You may have to do a little bit of digging into, um, into uh, 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 whatchamacallit, um, Dark Phoenix uh, to uh, remember this. But uh, at the end of this issue, um, after, the uh, the the Karna Goblin or the Red Goblin kind of hands Peter his butt. Um, we get a, a moment that is very reminiscent of uh, the moment that Wolverine has after he's gotten the the, the 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 crap kicked out of him by the Hellfire Club at the end of Uncanny X Men number one thirty two. It's always funny how sometimes you can remember the exact issue numbers, and this is after um, Wolverine was sent down into the sewers uh, because of I forget the uh, the fat guys. Uh, name in the Hellfire Club, the guy that could control gravity. Um, but yeah, he sends him, you know, through the floor and uh, Wolverine's there like, you know, okay, okay, suckers, you've taken your best shot. Now it's my turn. It's like a, it's a, it's an iconic panel and we kind of get a, a similar feel uh, at the end of this issue. It's, it's like a, a minor cliffhanger where Peter Parker's like, you know what, I'm coming back now that, you know, now that you kind of, you know, uh, you know, done your, you know, taking your best shot. So I'm going to have a chance to come back. 
Um, I, I really like this final arc. I think it's a really fitting end to Slot's run. I don't know how you're feeling about this, Tim, but I like that. You know, it's something that we've gotten before, the whole symbiote, you know, joining with like another established character. But I kind of like how it's this character that's gotten it. You know, it's Norman Osborn. Oh, I'm definitely, it, it's fitting that um, Slot is ending with probably Peter's biggest uh, villain and threat, Norman. Those you could argue he's eleva- slot, elevated Dr. Octopus to that number one slot, mm-hmm. but he's done so much with Otto already. And he said in interviews that, you know, he though he has done a little stuff here and there with uh, Norman Osborn, uh, at least de- definitely at near the end of Superior Spider Man, that for much of his run, uh, Norman Osborn was off limits because he was tied up in other books, namely Avengers and Dark Avengers and what have you. So you didn't really get to use him as much as he probably would have liked to. But now he's free. He's using him to end his run. And I'm curious to see how it all ends because uh, Red Goblin gave the ultimatum of, you know, if, P- if Peter just hangs up the suit, doesn't swing any webs anywhere or mess with them, he'll leave his loved ones alone, which Peter sort of puts up the not a white flag, but a red and blue top yeah, suit of exactly. spider outfit to sort of say, you know, I give up, but of course he's not going to, so but he does tease that he's gonna attack uh Norman as Peter and not Spider Man. So right. curious to see how that plays out. And the reason why the reason why uh, uh Spider Man's kind of convinced to do that is that uh Slot comes up with a pretty novel combination of the Green Goblin and the Carnage suit. To you know, to to, uh, to to really injure Spider-Man, I thought that was you know when I when I saw that I was like wow that was actually you know a pretty novel idea right there, you know what he does to the pumpkin bomb. Yeah, I was like you know I was like yeah that's actually pretty cool. I'll be right about that later too. There you go. All right, so I guess we're probably in rapid fire mode. Yeah. All right, so let me pull it up. All right, gentlemen, we are in rapid fire mode. I only have a few books left. I will do It's Men Gold 25. It basically, what all you need to know about this is Storm undergoes a major transformation uh, of the Asgardian <laughs> variety. <laughs> it's not the first time, right? No, and it definitely came out of nowhere. What wasn't expecting that? Gotcha. Um, and minimized number one, since we're talking Spider Man villains and whatnot. Um, this is a fun. So this is the end of the Venom trilogy that Marvel started last year with Venomverse, and then carried over to the X Men Blue crossover with Venom, uh, Poison X. So the poisons, the alien race that feeds on the Clintar symbiotes after they've bonded with a superpowered individual, have made their way to our planet Earth now after being in other dimensions, and so they start off going around uh, shooting superheroes with uh, guns loaded with symbiotes. So basically all they do is, uh, first issue is them uh, bonding symbiotes to various superheroes so they can, I guess, go later in the weekly series because they're going to run the month of April every week, an issue. Uh, so they can then go and feed and turn these new venomed up superheroes into poisons. And so X-Men Blue Team and 
Venom arrive on Earth too late to warn everyone. But the and so the leader of the poisons is Thanos, alternate dimension Thanos that is a Venom. And they know from Venomverse that their secret weapon against them is Carnage because for some reason they can't possess Carnage like they have all the other symbiote wearers. So their first act is to find Carnage, but they find Cleus Cassidy because Carnage is, as we just said, busy over in Amazing Spider-Man. Right. And so they go about trying to bond him with one of their symbiotes and it's not going well because he still has some of the Carnage in his blood. But uh, they're hoping once they rid him of that and turn him into one of their own and get him on the hive that he will be the catalyst to help them win this upcoming war. And that is that. All right. So uh, for Rapid Fire, I can cover uh, the other books that I have and Roddy Cat's books, who is not able to join us this evening, but he did leave a couple of notes for books that he read this week. So uh, one of the books that we both read was Avengers number 687. Uh, this is the latest chapter of Avengers No Surrender. What Roddy says about this book is that uh, Jarvis and Banner are waxed poetically about Banner's condition and what it means to be a hero and Avenger. Um, I, I, I likened it to a pep talk uh, that Jarvis gives Banner, and I really like that. Uh, 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 Roddy Cat continues, a pity party commences within the teams. Lightning clearly wasn't around during Civil War II. Uh, the challenger is not appeased, and I guess the Grandmaster is dead. Uh, probably not. Um, Roddy Cat's other rapid, uh, other book that we'll cover in Rapid Fire is Black Lightning: Cold Dead Hands, number six. The story ends as it started. A little meta commentary and some good action. And my other book for this week is actually a, a potential click of the week pick. It's um, a book that I've been hyping and harping on uh, for as long as it's been. Uh, in existence, and that is Black Bolt. We are up to issue number 12. It is a potential click of the week for me. The series is so good and ends on a hopeful note. Um, I definitely need a Lockjaw Marvel Legends figure ASAP, one that's articulated, not like the one that came out in that San Diego Comic-Con exclusive box. Um, this, you know, this issue wraps up the series nicely. It's nice to know, you know, I guess after the fact, I had thought that Marvel canceled this book, but it turns out that Saladin Ahmed had designed this book to be a 12-issue series. So it's nice that he was able to tell the story and what a story it is, what a story it was. Um, it, it convinced me to uh, build the uh, Absorbing Man Marvel Legends figure, or the Builder figure, and I tweeted a picture of that and the Black Bolt Marvel Legends uh uh, earlier, you know, late last night, early this morning, and uh, Ahmed actually retweeted it and liked it. So, you know, glad to give the book some support. So, like I said, you know, in, in collected form, now that it's over, I think this is even going to read better than it was as a monthly. So, guys, get out there and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, get out there and read Black Bolt. All right. Um, I just have a few books to cover here. Uh, let's see, Superman 44. There's a base story here that I really like about the uh, the Bizarro world is dying. Uh, whether or not Bizarro can be a hero, Bizarro has a son, a super Bizarro kid, whatever. Um, but the problem is, it's full of that Bizarro speak. I mean, like, you know, me so happy, world not ending. You know, and it's just like, oh my gosh! After mean, a while, you mean you mean world, me so happy, world keep going or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's one of those things where it, it just it feels like a slog getting through it because I have to sit there and translate from another language. 
you know, into <laughs> the one I read. Um, so, so that was, it's, I, but there was, there were some nice moments, some character moments in there with Bizarro and his son and whatever. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but still I'm glad it's over. Uh, Iron Fist 79. Uh, this is continuing the damnation storyline. Um, the original Iron Fist is fighting for his soul. Uh, Iron Fist and, uh, what's the other guy? Fat Snake? Fat Cobra. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, they try to make some sort of deal, um, but of course, you know, hey, you try to make a deal with the devil, it always blows up in your face. Uh, the deal that the original Iron Fist made is blowing up in their face. Uh, somehow, it's like the story's trying to tell you that you make a deal with the devil, and it's going to blow up in your face. I, maybe that's just me, but it seems like there's might there might be a lesson to be learned there. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Venom one sixty four. I tried reading this. They said it was the start of a new arc. Um, you know, it's the, the, the story is going to go in a new direction and blah, blah, blah. So I, I tried reading this, but I just could not. The Venom suit now talks to Eddie in a normal voice, like in his head. Okay. Um, even though the symbiote, like, is still on him and still does the thing where it, like, becomes his clothes, but it becomes the suit and whatever. But then they just sit and, like, have a conversation. And so the Venom suit speaks, and it's like a black word balloon. Mm-hmm. But then Brock speaks, it's a normal word balloon, except when Brock's in the Venom suit, then it's a black word balloon with a white circle around it, uh, which makes it really, like, after a while, I just kind of like, all right, I'm 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 not enjoying this. I'm not going to, you know, uh, this is not the book for me. So oh. I tried it, but no. Um, and I think finally, the, the last book I have here, Sonic Number 1, came out um, for people not in the know of uh, what, uh, 13 year old boys like to read uh, Sonic is one of those comics that my son absolutely adored uh, for years and years and years that's the book that actually got him into comics if it wasn't for Sonic he wouldn't have ever cared about getting into comics um, and then Archie cancelled it because Archie has been having so many financial problems they couldn't afford the license anymore um, there were some lawsuit issues with one of the writers and characters he created and whatever um, and so Archie um, you know, their push to be less family friendly has also made them less profit um, so maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, this book, they got the same writer, the same artist to come to IDW and do a new Sonic story. And the way it's built is that you don't have to be familiar with that old series. It just takes place at some indeterminate time kind of down the road. Like, hey, remember way back when when we fought and we beat Mr. Eggman finally? Yeah, and now it's all this time later, you know? So you really don't have to know anything about what's going on there. Um, but it plays a lot like a Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. Um, and my son absolutely loved it. He's so happy it's back. Um, the The characters... Uh, from the old book, I know that there were just tons. There was like a dozen different characters. It was moving around. You get to focus on like two of them. You get Sonic and Tails. Um, Amy will be showing up in the next issue. Then a couple new characters, the issue after that. So they're kind of slowly kind of rebuilding it, but they're not throwing everything at you at once. So again, if you're not real familiar with it, uh, or if you're looking for something for your kids, it's something that you know you can just buy and throw out there. They don't have to be familiar with the old one. They can just kind of pick this up and carry it. And it, it's got that Saturday morning cartoon. Giant robots are coming. They're fighting them and blowing up and all that stuff's kind of fun. So there you go. That's what I have for all of my uh, rapid fire reviews there. Gotcha. All right. So I guess we're up to clicks of the week. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, I'm in between two books. Nice. There's mine right there. You can see it. I think that's mine too. Nice. Oh, man. See, I wish, honestly, guys, I wish I could make it a clean sweep. I don't know if Roddy put up a click of the week this week. Let's see. Um, Nope. So, 
Oh man, see now, now, now for those of you not watching on video, uh, PCN underscore dirt put up Marvel two in one number five by Chip Zdarsky and Valeria Skeety. Tim Dog ninety eight seconded that motion. I, on the other hand, as much as I love that book, I think my two potential, like the two finalists for click of the week for myself, were Amazing Spider Man number seven ninety eight and Black Bolt number twelve. And I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to go with Black Bolt number twelve for myself. Click of the week this week. So, all right. Uh, and it is 10 after 9, which means my time is up. All so right. I even, I even gave you a few extra minutes there so we could get through all of this. So, we get through the clicks. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. I'll see you guys all next week. Take it easy. Bye. See you next week. All righty. So, let me get our first ad read in for the night, and then we can start with the news. Uh, help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, etc. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we head for the news. All right. In cinematic news, Katie Lotz to return for Arrow season six finale. Gotham introduces a major status quo change for Barbara Gordon. I'm assuming that's the Barbara we're referring to. Uh, Willa Holland exits CW's Arrow. That's Thea, a.k.a. Speedy. Okay. Stephen Amell says Black Lightning will probably join the Arrowverse. Yeah, I think it should. Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum want a Smallville animated revival. No kidding. Yeah, that went up today, I saw. In animated form. That's, you know, like, I don't blame them for, you know, because obviously they've aged somewhat from their from how they looked on, this, on the series. But yeah, as, a, as an animated uh, series, that's interesting. That is, um, it's probably, you know, be easier for them to lend their voice talent Sure. In the studio than having to appear constantly on screen. Right. And Michael Rosenbaum's no stranger to voice work. He was, uh, after all, the Flash on the Justice League. Uh, Captain Marvel cast Don. Captain Marvel cast Don Wicked. 90, 90s uh, does and new set photos. That's hard. It's a. Uh, it must be like a time. Th- uh, a time thing. Um, you know, because the the movie is in fact set in the '90s. So yeah, they're wearing '90s clothes. So mm-hmm. I did see some of those. Uh, those pictures. Kind of. You know, it was a it was a flashback for me. There were new IMAX Avengers Infinity War posters released, or at least one, and then there were individual posters released yesterday. I saw. Right. Uh, Black Panther to break Saudi Arabia's 35 year cinema ban. What? Mm-hmm. Becoming the first film to screen to the public in a movie theater in the country since it lifted a 35-year cinema ban. Hmm. Wow. Look at Black Panther breaking records and breaking whatever bands. Barriers, yeah. Breaking barriers is what I was looking for. Holy cow. Luke Cage reunites with Iron Fist in new season two image. I guess this may be the the only way we see Iron Fist at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not Defenders. It's going to be in the Luke Cage series because I don't think he's going to have his own. Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Creator shares our first look at Kiernan Shipka as a teenage witch. Okay. Red Sonja film reboot taps Thor X-Men first class writer. 
and FX starts working like pilot for Why the Last Man. Did that drop like today? Yeah, that news was this cool. afternoon. Cool. I still need to read Why the Last Man. I read most of it. I don't know if I finished it. But I definitely I had the first trade of it or volume. I'm assuming that there was multiple volumes, but I had yeah, the first one. series, I believe. All right, so comic news. Comic news. Uh, let's see, the Power Rangers comic big new event is off to a bloody crazy start. Where there was some big reveal for Shattered Grid. I still haven't. I, I find it to like flip through that and see what all the hubbub is about. I unfortunately, unlike uh, I think Roddy's Roddy's uh, you know kind of into Power Rangers. I know William Bruce West is surprisingly enough. Um, yeah, big big fan. Yeah, I didn't come up with Power Rangers, so I you know I I, I don't get what all the hubbub is. I mean, I was I watched it, but I wasn't like crazy. Oh my gosh, about it when at the time. All righty. Uh, so the next story is a toy related. So uh, Hasbro is officially producing its largest Star Wars toy ever. It is Jabba the Hutt sail barge. They actually crowdfunded this to make sure you know to 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 to, to see that the uh, that there was enough demand for it. You know to see if there was going to be enough demand for it, and there was. So they covered the crowdfunding part of it, and uh, the 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 sail barge is over two feet long. It's probably closer to scale than we would ever think. So it's pretty crazy. Um, Star Wars toys have never you know gotten all that big. I think the biggest ones were always uh, the Millennium Falcon and the At-Ats. So, you know, it, it, it seems crazy that this would be the biggest toy that they've made, but it is. So that's pretty cool. Uh, congratulations to them for making this. Was it 6,000 people pledged $500? Wow. 5,000 people. And the news that aggravated me just because I had to wait till September. Yes. Spider-Man for the PS4 comes out September 7th. Yes, that's a long wait. But let me tell you, I've been I've been harping on you know trying to crowdfund my own PS4 for a while, and I never did get one. Um, I wanted to get one for Marvel vs. Capcom, the uh, the the latest one for PS4. But I heard bad things, you know, not the greatest things about the game. At some point, I'll get it. But uh, I guess I've got until September or Christmas this year to uh, pick up a PS4 and play the Spider-Man game that we're excited for. And the original X-Men are headed to Extermination, which we'll find out more about this weekend during C2E2. Oh, forgot to ask. PCN underscore dirty. We said to see two e two this year. Did he say already? I doubt he is because I don't think he went last year. Right, and he's not connected to the store. So, gotcha, gotcha. And gotcha. plus, it's like, I mean, he's not in Chicago. It's like however long the drive. Right. All right. Uh, all new Wolverine heads to the future, and the president is very fam- a very familiar face. So that's talking about this week's all new Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, Buspano struggles with his immortality and Holt's lack of morality. The Avengers of a thousand, a million. One, one million BC to receive origin issues, starting with the Ghost Rider. No kidding. The Macedon riding Ghost Rider. Right. Uh, the heroes of the Valiant Universe clash in this first look inside Harbinger Wars 2. Uh, Batman White Knight adds a whole new wrinkle to the Joker persona. I'm gonna have to back. I'm gonna have to catch up on this because I've heard some good things about Sean Gordon Murphy's uh, Batman White Knight. Yeah, I do too. And DC Nation number zero lands one million orders. Action Comics one thousand five hundred thousand copies or orders, I guess. Alex Ross describes the difference between DC and Marvel heroes. Did you read this? I did not. Well, actually, I did. I read the quotes. It yeah, was very I long. I thought he was right, though. Yeah, I mean, he broke it down, and that's basically why I enjoy Marvel more than DC. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same boat, so. 
And Krispy Kreme introduces a Simpsons donut for a limited time. Don't do. <laughs> we had, we couldn't help it. We couldn't help it. <laughs> and that's it for comic news. All right. So, um, we're going to wrap up this show with our last ad read for the night. And it's for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And follow us on our individual Twitter accounts. I'm at TimDOGG98 and at CBCron. Agent70 is at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Doug is at PCN underscore Dirt and PopCultureNetwork.com is his website. And Roddy Cat is at Roddy Cat and at NewsNerdsNeed on Twitter. And follow him on Instagram at CBCaps. We will be back next week with more comic book news and discussion and reviews. Yes, and we are counting down now to Infinity War. Cannot wait. We are the Comic Chronicles, and we are signing off. Great!